Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to launch your very own podcast show like this one? Don't have the time or patience to deal with all the techie stuff? No worries. My company, Geffen Media Group, provides a complete done-for-you podcast service. We will come up with a great name for your show, design your website and podcast artwork, record the intro and outro, send you the equipment, find you great guests, edit and publish every episode, submit to iTunes and major podcast platforms, and promote your show to our network. So all you have to do is hit record and we do the rest. Your voice needs to be heard. So head over to geffenmediagroup.com. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 125 of Can I Pick Your Brain? My guest today was named the king of reinvention by Founder Magazine. Steve Olsher has created several multi-million dollar companies from scratch, has starred in an award-winning film, is co-founder of Liquor.com, and author of the New York Times best-selling book, What Is Your What? Discover the one amazing thing you were born to do. As always, I've created a short rap to help introduce my guest. Here goes. From selling speakers out the back of a van to becoming the reinvention man, waiting tables as a team now featured on the cover of a magazine and starring in a movie scene. He's not just got the looks, he wrote three best-selling books. You may have the hustle and the entrepreneurial muscle, but it's not about what you got, it's about what's your what. So what were you born to do? What's that one thing, your super glue? And now, without further ado, I welcome to you the man with the cure, the one and only Steve Olsher. Steve, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Damn, bro. I mean, like, I don't know how... Uh, it's all downhill from here. Woo! Yeah. That's pretty good, dude. Who knew? Who knew? I Love didn't. It. I didn't know. See? No. That's rocking. <laughs> dude, I, I just do that to get me pumped up so that I can just hey, like get you, right it in It works. There. It works. Dude, you know what, Steve? It took me ages to come up with a word that rhymes with Ulsha. Could you not have been named <laughs> something else? Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. You, you, the, the ones that uh, usually rhyme with that are not ones that uh, <laughs> I care to because those were the ones from my childhood that drove me nuts. So, are you serious? Yeah. Let's hear them. Let's hear them. What, what, what were the ones that? <laughs> well, I mean, come on. What's the only thing that really rhymes with ulcer? It's ulcer, right? I mean, so it's oh, like, yeah, yeah that, would, that would be the one. Right. I thought of for sure, like for sure, but mm, don't know. Yeah, so that's I, kind of a stretch. It's like rhyming time with time. It's like, dude, yeah. that's kind of a, it's cheating. Like you can't use the same word. To right. rhyme. Like that's, that doesn't that doesn't count. That does not officially right. a rhyme. It's just saying the same word twice. Right. Yeah. I'm so glad that that I finally got you on, Steve. We 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 scheduled this a couple of times, and we're in a similar space. So I want to kind of, I guess we can get into that the new media space, which is really exciting. Um, but before we get into that, I want to get into your backstory because you've got an insane journey that you've been on. Um, you started out waiting tables, pumping gas, and selling speakers out the back of a van. And by the way, for those of you that uh, haven't been on Steve's website, there's a really hunky looking guy on the on his about page, right? Big muscly guy at the back of a van. So tell us about that. Tell us about what it was like growing up, Steve. I thought you wanted me to tell you about how I, uh, how I became a big muscly guy. And no. that's just steroids. No, it's just, <laughs> just, I mean, nothing. Yeah, there's no, there's no other question about that. Right. Uh, but I mean, look, you know, look, reality is if we go back far enough, I think we can just easily uh, identify uh, 
the fact that I've just always been an entrepreneur. I mean, like literally from the time I was old enough to pick up a rake and move some leaves around or, or try to, you know, shovel sidewalks and, and driveways and that sort of thing. Cause I was in Chicago, Chicago is where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've just been wired as that entrepreneur, man. And uh, reality is it's what? led me in a, in a million different directions. What did so, your dad do for a living? Uh, so my dad was, uh, I mean, he was a nine to fiver, you know, he, uh, he helped folks in, uh, in, in retail businesses, find new locations for their stores. Hmm. So he, uh, he was always a company dude. And, uh, I think if you're, if you're trying to get at like, you know, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it really came more from my maternal side because my grandfather, uh, was my first mentor and an entrepreneur, uh, who was in the liquor business for uh, pretty much his entire career. Hmm. And your mom started out, uh, she, is, is she the one that bought liquor.com? Because that's, that's an incredible domain. Well, n- no, I mean, it didn't, not, ex- not exactly anyway. The way that it worked is, so my grandfather um, started Foremost Liquor Stores, uh, which uh, was in Chicago and then a number of other states over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in 1977, when... Uh, my mom and dad divorced. Uh, my mom went to work for my grandfather. Mm-hmm. And so basically, uh, try to keep this as concise as possible. Yeah. Uh, I had gone on to uh, do some things in music and had DJed and in clubs and actually opened up my own nightclub when I was 19. Wow. Uh, and after that club ran its course, Uh, I went to join the family business. And uh, when I joined the family business, it was a very small piece of the puzzle, Mm -hmm. uh, which was called Foremost Liquor by Wire, which was basically uh, just like FTD is for flowers, except if you wanted to, you know, send a bottle of champagne to someone, uh, you would call us on our Watts line, as they used to call it. Okay. uh, and, uh, And we would take that order by hand. Uh, and then we would call a local retailer who would deliver that product for you in that local market. And so um, it was a very small piece of the puzzle. It was a piece that I thought had tremendous potential. Uh, and so when I came to join the family business, that's what I decided to focus on. Uh, that company ended up becoming Liquor.com when I bought that domain for the company in 1998. So mom and I had worked together from 91 to 2000 and my grandfather passed in 94. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was uh, that was definitely something that I had spearheaded in terms of creating all of the, you know, that whole division. And then uh, we ended up selling foremost and focusing only on liquor by wire, which became liquor.com. Do you get compared to Gary Vaynerchuk ever? Because, you know, he was Wine Library and you, Liquor.com. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting, right? I mean, he um, I've known Gary now for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and reality is he has done uh, amazing things with that business. I went uh, a much different route, which was really being blinded by the dot-com light and feeling like, you know, we could take this company public and we need to bring in outside capital and we Mm -hmm. need to do all of these things because well there's internet riches to be had uh gary took a smarter route of of really keeping things close to the vest and keeping things private i on the other hand uh raised a lot of money for liquor.com and unfortunately uh it backfired because we had the s1 filed and we were ready to go public in march of 2000 Mm -hmm. and of course that's when everything imploded Wow. And, and you also tried to, at that point, try to sell liquor.com and someone someone offered you four, 
four million, just over four million. Or 4. Well, 5. so okay, so basically nine years, ninety-one to two thousand. I ran, I ran that company, and from ninety-four to two thousand, just with mom. Uh, and so after the S one was filed, we we're ready to go public. The markets imploded. Uh, we couldn't get out. We had brought in all of these lettered saviors because Wall Street said, you know, they wanted to see the CEOs, the CTO, the CFO, the CMO, like all of <laughs> these people yeah. who were going to take us to the promised land. And reality is I, I signed away my management rights to the company in order to bring in these people. Hmm. And when we couldn't go public, my hands were tied. It was clear they didn't know what they were doing. There was conflict already. And, you know, reality was I didn't get along with them because right. we had different visions for what to do with this. And I walked away from everything, including the domain, in 2000. Mom stayed on for a little while longer, but I left. And eventually everything went to hell and, and, and it closed. And I walked away from everything, including the domain, which I owned and never signed away my rights oh, to. Man. And literally it was out of sight, out of mind for uh, over five years. And one day uh, in 2005, I was walking the dog. Uh, and as I was walking the dog, I was reading the Wall Street Journal because, well, back in 2005, they actually had this thing called a newspaper. I don't know if they still have it <laughs> or not, but I was um, I was walking and reading a newspaper, which uh, right. evidently was a dangerous thing to do. Uh, but that's a whole other discussion. Right. <laughs> uh, but I was reading this, and the headline was, you know, look, uh, what did it say? Something like uh, domain name values approaching pre-bubble valuations, or something mm -hmm. like that. I was like, wow, I wonder whatever happened to Lekker.com. <laughs> and so I started doing some research and I tracked it down to the guy in the country of Panama and reached out to him and we opened up a dialogue and I didn't threaten any sort of legal action, but I just was curious, like, how did he get the domain? Hmm. Right. Because as I said, I never signed my my rights away to it. I think I did a twenty year, uh, whatever the maximum amount of time was that I could do with uh, you know yeah. with the registrar at that point is what we did. Mm -hmm. um, and you know his answers were a little shady. I think yeah. is the best way to put it. Right. Uh, and so we kept talking. We kept talking. And uh, roughly Christmas ish of two thousand six. He sent me an email and basically the email read, you know, I've thought about things and I decided I'm going to give you back your domain. Wow. And I was like, hmm. hmm. So at the point, at that point, I had never done a transfer of domain. So I didn't, you know, we did the liquor.com transfer, but my attorneys handled that and I didn't, you know, didn't even get involved with that whole process. So the escrows and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And so I was like, um, okay, that's great. Uh, thank you. What do you want me to do? And he said, well, just open an account here and I'll transfer the domain in mm -hmm. to your account. You just have to send me this code and I'll transfer it in. And I was like, well, mm, shady dude wants my information. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure that's the best idea, but there's nothing in that account. I'm not going to have like my credit card or social or anything in there. So what the hell? Right. So I opened this account. I sent him the code and sure as shit, you know, like the next day, he sent me an email saying, okay, the, the domain's in your account. Well, wow. Opened up the account. There was the domain. And of course, immediately I changed the password, changed the code, like changed everything. <laughs> changed everything, right? yeah. Changed your underwear. And, <laughs> right, changed my underwear. And within, uh, within a week, I put the domain up for sale uh, and ended up getting a, a number of offers. Uh, and the highest offer was four and a quarter million. 
Wow. And I, needless to say, accepted it. Yep. Uh, and the guy made the first few payments uh, and then bailed on the rest. So I kept the domain and I kept the money. Nice. Really? Yeah. That's and sweet. Yeah. And, and it was just kind of like one of those things where it's like, okay, this is a sign. I need to do something with it. And you would think I would be smarter, but uh, nope, 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 not smarter at all. Because then I started thinking to myself, well, Jesus, you know, I'm still there in Chicago. I've got this domain. It's a great domain. I want to do something with it. Let me find people in Silicon Valley to really help with this because, you know, the dot com world is it's a Silicon Valley phenomenon, mm -hmm. right? So 2006, that time frame. It's nothing like it is now. It's still, it's it's easier to get found and so on. And I mean, you know, we launched online in 93 on CompuServe's electronic mall, right? I mean, we put that company uh, on with a fully functional e-commerce site in 95. So I had been online for a long time, but I really didn't know the that business. I still kind of felt like it was a Silicon Valley phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So I went out there, found some partners, and uh, we've been partners ever since 2009 on it. And I don't have any active day-to-day -day with it, but the company's actually run out of Silicon Valley and uh, and I'm chairman and one of the largest shareholders. Wow, what a story. Right? Whew. And then you went on to, to, to build uh, several other businesses, right? And- Yeah, I've done, yeah. Yeah, I've done a lot of things over the years for sure. And then you wrote a book. And that's what's interesting as well is of all the books you could have written, you wrote- you know, I mean, you wrote three best-selling books, but uh, one of them is is called "What Is Your What." Now, it's interesting because there's another book by Simon Sinek called "What Is Your Why." Or no, start, well, start, start, start. Yeah, I got yeah. confused. There. Start with why. What? What is the first of all? What's the difference between what is what and start with why? Or is it just the same thing? Just you know, different author, different story. Yeah, you know, man, it's uh, in, and we've actually had Simon on uh, Reinvention Radio, so that was that was a lot of fun to talk about the what versus the why. And <laughs> yeah. If you, um, I mean, if you ask Simon, he'll just tell you it's a it's semantical mm -hmm. difference, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just there's really nothing different about them. But to me, they're actually very, very different because when you look at what your why is, well, it's something that you choose, right? Like your why could be you want to keep food on the table and a roof over your head, you know, over your head or, you know, take care of your family. Right. I mean, that's why you do what you do. Yep. Uh, you want to help starving children in Africa. That's your why, or you want to provide clean drinking water for people in you know remote parts of India or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's your why, right? Yeah. So the way that I look at it is you can choose your why and it is something that is external. Whereas your what, if you look at the cover of what is your what, you'll see that the only graphic element on that is the DNA strand. Hmm. Um, your your what is really that which is already in your DNA. It's already a part of who you are. It's really that, as I like to say, that has chosen you as opposed to that which you have chosen. So to me, uh, your what really reflects your, your natural gift, right? Hmm. It, it's, just, again, part of that DNA. And then the what is your what framework is comprised of your gift, the vehicle you will use to share that gift and then the people, the people that you're most compelled to serve. So mm. it's the combination of the gift, the vehicle and the people that make up the what is your what framework. And I believe that people can perhaps have a bit of an interchange or see similarities between the people in the what is your what framework and your why. 
But ultimately, uh, to me, it's very, very different because your what is everything that is internal mm-hmm. uh, and, your, and your why is that which is external. What do you think is more important? What do you think is a priority? Should, should people discover their why first or their what first? And why? Well, I'll put it to you this way. <laughs> I, I don't think that you can effectively fulfill your why if you're unclear on your what, right? If you mm-hmm. don't understand what your gifts are and how you were naturally wired to excel, mm-hmm. and if you're not clear on the primary vehicle you were going to use to share your what, mm-hmm. I think you're going to be super hard-pressed to fulfill your vision for your why. Mm-hmm. And you know what's also really interesting, Steve, is that I find my why changes every so often. For sure. Right? For sure. And, and, and I will say this, with your what, the, the vehicle that you use to share your gift and the people that you are most compelled to serve, that is more organic, that is more fluid. Those two mm-hmm. elements can change over time. Your gift, however won't your gift is permanent it is static it is a part of who you are you can live in denial about what it is but that that gift is already in your dna that doesn't change so it's so it's far more important to know what your what is because that ultimately is what you're going to be living with forever for the rest of your life until you die whereas your why can change all the time and my my why is always changing in fact i've even got to the point where i've given up asking why because it's just freaking annoying because i'm just going to change it like in three months time um and also if i dig a little bit deeper and if i'm more real and honest and raw with myself the truth is is that we we all we're all just selfish in 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 a a sense right even the guy you have to be correct but even the guy who wants to, to to save poor children in africa you're still doing it because it makes you feel good uh, I mean, if somebody says otherwise, and I think they're full of shit, I mean, right. you know, I mean, reality is, yeah, absolutely. And and when you do something, if it doesn't provide fulfillment for you mm-hmm. and you don't find satisfaction in it and it doesn't make you feel good about, you know, what where you're allocating your time, then why on earth would you be doing it? Right. Right. So figuring out what your why is, is in a way much easier because you could just kind of sit down and think okay what will what will make me feel fulfilled right now if i do x what will make me feel fulfilled what what goals can i set today that's going to make me feel like i've achieved something but finding out what your what is that takes a little bit more work right so where do you start and 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 i would agree that it does take more work because uh, your your why again, and and I and I love Simon's work. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think it's very, very, very helpful. It's very, very, very powerful, mm-hmm. uh, especially from a corporate perspective. Uh, you know, because I think that you do have to understand why it is that you do what you do, and people do buy why you do what you do for sure. Yeah. Um, but this is more of a personal. It's like if you think about square pegs and round holes, man. You know, if you're not clear on what your what is, you're going to end up doing something. That you know, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, Jesus, I am. How did I get here? I'm completely unfulfilled. I need to do something totally different. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I, I do. I do completely believe that it all begins with understanding what your core gift is. But at the same token, it, it really, if we're going to take 20 steps back, it just begins simply with turning the light switch on. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the biggest thing is so many there are four paths that people are on, as I have found, and one path uh, is the path of the wanderer, 
And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but most people go through life without ever really having a clue about who they are and what they do and how they're naturally wired to excel. Mm -hmm. And that's because we don't teach this in schools. We don't, you know, really talk about this around the dinner table. <laughs> so, you know, these aren't things that we're born to, to, to figure out unless somebody shows us how. <laughs> so we got to just turn the light switch on, right? And, and make the decision that we're going to do whatever we need to do to figure out what it is that truly puts fire in our soul. And so a lot of people will never turn that light switch on. So honestly, the first step to me more than anything else is just turn the switch on. So you do you have children, Steve? I do, fourteen and eleven at this at the time of this recording. Oh my they God. were fourteen and eleven. I thought yes. you said fourteen, and I was like, "What? 14? Yeah, fourteen kids? children. <laughs> <laughs> That's guy of four, and I thought, "Oh yeah. my God, this guy's killing it." Uh, yeah, and I think you're crazy with four. So there you I, have it. Well, yes. my wife, you mean my wife is crazy? I don't do anything. I just show up. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah, or the or the mailman. Anyway, let's yeah, not that's a, let's not get into that yes. discussion. <laughs> um, do they do they look like you? No, <laughs> they do. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, cute, cute, cuter versions, cuter versions. <laughs> so when you sit down with your two, are they? Uh, Bo it's a boy or an two boys, boys? Yeah, both two boys. boys. So when you sit down at the breakfast, whenever dinner it is, what? How do you work on their what? You, you talked about having dinner with the family and, and talking, but that's very important. How do you do yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, it's very. Um, let's just say that I do it in, in a sneaky way, right? <laughs> and so uh, you can't do it overtly with kids; they read right through that crap. So uh, <laughs> you know, it's basically, it, to me, it's about exposure. It really is just exposing them to a lot of different things, mm -hmm. putting them in lots of different classes, having them try lots of different sports, taking them to lots of different places, having them eat lots of different foods, you know, these sort of things, right? So that they can begin to get a sense. And there's the maid. I told you, I said, I said the maid's going to come here and the there maid, you go. The maid is coming. Yeah. So for those who uh, are wondering what day it is, just so you know, it's Tuesday and the maids come on Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> you wait, your maid is a dog? Yeah. Well, I know, right? Um, <laughs> come on. Well, she lets herself in and that's what happens. Um, so, <laughs> um, so, you know, I just think you have to expose your kids. Can to, I, can, can um, I, so can, can we get practical yes. for a second? So, so yes. my son, Alicia, he's my oldest, he's 10. And well, that's a problem right there. What's his name? Alicia. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to work on that. That's, that's, it's, uh, it's, a Jew yeah. it's a Jewish name. But anyway, um, yes. so he's really good at chess. Um, I've been playing with him since he was six. And nice. I remember the day when he finally checkmated me. But for real, I didn't let him. Like, I never let him. But I'm saying he checked. Wow. And it was like, I felt like, oh, my goodness, this is it. Like, he's he beat me. This is, you know. And I was so yeah. proud. And... So now I told him he needs to. Wow, and you were proud? Yeah. That's, that's impressive, man. I'd have thrown the board across the room. <laughs> and, like, well, that's, uh, you're a much bigger man than I am. Okay. Well, I mean, Here we it's, go. My, it's my son, you know. So so the thing is, is that the truth. And I don't, see, that's interesting because I don't want my children's to, you know, I don't want them to succeed more than I have in my life. Really? And you probably, yeah, you probably want them to like surpass your own. Not me, man. No, 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 no. No, no I, I want to keep them down. That's like, that's our job as parents. Really? And, and I'm, and I'm also Jewish, and you. So you were raised by a Jewish mom. I, I mean, was. Yeah. Come on, dude. Like she, that's our goal. That's our job. And she was French, so that adds on another layer of confusion. Oh God! Confusion. You are host. <laughs> right. Were you trying to impress your dad most of your life? Um, I was, and then I gave up, and the, and literally, like, there was a point in time where. Uh, and my wife will tell you she we. I mean, she and I have been married now over twenty years. Oh my goodness. Um, 
And uh, is is that a good? Oh my goodness! Or no, is that she like needs, a, she needs a, to a be wanna... crowned queen for? An well, op- she needs to be crowned queen. That yes, okay, that is for <laughs> sure. Uh, and when I wear the the the, the queen crown, um, she actually likes it a little bit. So, right. uh, but you know, reality is when when we first met, uh, and for many many years thereafter. I mean, I, I told her, you know, I, look, if my dad died, I, I might be sad for a little bit, but yeah, we weren't close. And so it was one of those things where, uh, no, I, I was definitely, I was beyond, I was beyond that. To me, mm-hmm. uh, that relationship had, had died. Uh, and it's only in the last 10 years or so uh, that we've really rekindled that. So wow. uh, I, I don't think it was for him, uh, probably more for my grandfather when I was younger and then perhaps for, uh, for my mom and, and even my wife now, right? Mm-hmm. What about your children? Do you try to impress them? Uh, you know, it, that's a fine line, right? Because you want to make sure that your kids have what they need and not necessarily what it is that they want, right? And hmm. so there's, there's, there's definitely a fine line there. And I will say that impressing my kids is pretty far down the list because once you start trying to impress them and you raise that bar, mm-hmm. it, it's really hard to lower the bar again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, so kids are funny that way. I mean, you give them a dollar they want to, you give them yeah. two they want to. And, and so what I have found is that what, what drives me, it, it not in terms of, uh, you know, uh, shall we say, just, uh, you know, toys and, and those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a matter of, of, of wanting those things to, to do anything other than um, simply my, my goal, really, if you come right down to it, is just providing uh, in a meaningful way for, for my family where they have options. Got not it. that I give those things to them, but just that they have options if, if push comes to shove. Got it. So let's go back to Alicia for a second. The boy, Alicia, my son. Yes. Uh, not the girl. Um, yes. Chess. So I want him to go to a tournament. I want him to, to, to sign up to a tournament. And, you know, I think he's got it in him to, to be even better and, and probably, possibly the best in our country, which is Israel right now, where we live. So mm-hmm. so I've been trying to encourage him to go, but he doesn't want to go. He's like, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to like, you know, hang out with these people, whatever. Well, that's why they make belts. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I tried that. <laughs> we tried that with, with, you know, when he, I wanted him to play tennis as well because we started playing, te- I'm a good tennis player, or decent tennis player. And I started playing tennis with him and he sucked. So I got him a trainer, Igor, the Russian guy, and he... Oh, he's always good. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, Everybody needs an angry Russian in their life. <laughs> so then after like 10 lessons, he quit. And I'm like, what the hell? And he's like, I don't like Igor. I'm like, tough. I want you to learn tennis. You're really good. You have, you know, you have that athletic ability. So I'm like bashing my head against the wall because I know he'd be great at tennis. I know he'd be great at chess, but he doesn't want to do these things. And the thing is, is that I know that I'm reflecting myself on him because when I was a young kid, my mom sent me to karate and I quit after like 10 sessions and I would be a black belt today. Right. And, and yeah. same thing with piano. I'd be a concert pianist today if it wasn't for the fact that that I quit after like, you know, 20 sessions because my piano teacher wanted to cut my fingers off. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you. Was that, was that Igor again? <laughs> <laughs> no. Igor is a man of many. 
<laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So no. All right. Well, look. I mean, look. Bottom line is, you you'd be amazed, right? I mean, if it's meant yeah. to be a part of what he is going to do, he'll come back to it. I mean, you've all you can do is is plant those seeds and expose your children to uh, various parts of of what you're you know comfortable exposing them to, right? And mm-hmm. so and so tennis and and chess and art or whatever it might be. It may not be a fit for him in this moment, but you've planted that seed. And and my hunch is that if he has natural abilities, he'll find his way back to it. Mm-hmm. And it may not be a career, right? And, and that's and that's kind of a fine line too. Is do we want to push our kids towards something that they can do that they will enjoy, or something that they would be able to do from a career standpoint? And you know, very seldom will you find that they are one and the same. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, and with the Olympics going on, right? I mean, you can see that the number of elite athletes in the world are very, very, very few. And not that we should discourage our children from trying, but I do think that there is something to be said for having skill in a lot of different things and finding something that you really, really enjoy doing. But it doesn't mean that simply because you grow awesome tomatoes in your backyard that you should become a farmer. Mm. I hear that. What was the, remember that first moment where you had the idea to write the book? What spurred you on? Like, what, what was it? Uh, you know, it's a question. And, and so the book we're talking about, I assume, is What Is Your What? Correct. And so it's a question that I've really struggled with uh, for my adult life, which is how am I naturally wired to excel? And yeah, I've done those Myers-Briggs and the What Colors Your Parachutes and the Strengths Finders and so on. And mm-hmm. you know, most of them just left me with more questions than answers, right? <laughs> right and yeah. it's like, you know, I'm an ENJF or whatever. I don't know exactly <laughs> what I am. But it's like, you know, all I can think Thanks. about is like you know, WTF. It's like, you know, who cares? <laughs> you know, or like what colors your parachutes? Like you walk into a room and there's four conversations, one about money, one about sports, one about business, one about, you know, celebrities. And all I'm thinking about is, well, I don't want to go into any of those conversations. I just want to leave. Like, where's the door? You know, so just find me the door of that room. And so it's like, okay, those are all well and good. But none of those modalities gave me what I needed to hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. And so when I started sharing some of the business strategies that had been working well for me in my life with some not necessarily clients at that point, but just people that I had been sharing some things with, kind of mastermind-ish. And then I did a, a small workshop for some folks and so on. Um, and what I realized that it was the same question that a lot of people had, which is really where do I focus my efforts? How do I really figure out what it is that I'm great at? How do I figure out what's going to inspire me to jump out of bed every day? Mm-hmm. And so, I saw that I wasn't alone in that thinking that so many people were wondering the same sorts of things. And as I had, I really just started down that path and I started working with people on trying to figure out what that was, it became more clear and more clear and more clear to me that there's truly three parts of the puzzle, three pieces of the puzzle, if you will, Mm -hmm. that you need the answers to if you're going to do something that not only you love to do, but it's something that you can make money at and there's demand for it. And that requires you to gain clarity around this core gift and how you're going to share that gift with the world. Mm -hmm. But 
ultimately, it wasn't until I put the third piece of the puzzle in place that everything really came together, hmm. where it became very clear that if you don't have the people in terms of understanding the people that you're mo most compelled to serve, if you don't have the people in that framework, it's like a tripod and the whole thing topples over. But once you're clear on the gift, the vehicle, and the people, that's truly when the magic happens. And that's what I captured in that book because I literally wrote the book that I needed, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And in Authorland, they say that you write the book that you most need. That's what I did. And so, yeah. And so that's exactly what What Is Your What Is. It's basically uh, a roadmap that I created for myself. Yeah. When I wrote The Self-Help Addict, like I was the self-help addict, so I couldn't actually write the book because I was a self-help addict. So the whole thing was, yeah. a bit, it, was it was really funny. Um, by the way, I apologize because you were talking about four paths people go on and we were talking about the wanderer and it's actually ironic that we wandered away. So <laughs> <laughs> we completely wandered off. So we didn't get, so let's go back to that for a second because I want to you know, because there are probably yeah, people no. listening to this going, Daniel, you didn't, you didn't tell us the three paths. I can't sleep tonight until you tell us. Right. What, what are the other paths? <laughs> I have to run out. I get the book now. Um, <laughs> so let's just leave it at that. You just have to get the book now. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, cool. no seriously. There's, so there's four paths, right? And and most people are walking down the path of the wanderer, and we've already talked about that. Yeah. Um, the other path is well, there's three other paths. So one is the the path of the shifter. Uh, and these are a lot of the people that we feature on my show, which is called Reinvention Radio. Mm -hmm. uh, and and the, and the shifter uh, are people, and, and sometimes reinventors as well, and that's the another one of the three paths. But shifters and reinventors, um, shifters uh, are people who basically just have to make a subtle shift, if you will, um, to the what is your what framework. So maybe they're just working with the wrong people, or maybe they are unclear on the best vehicle to use to share their gift, right? So they just make a subtle shift to the what is your what framework. And, and that makes all the difference. It's an example. Okay. Uh, so I used to teach a, a program called the Reinvention Workshop. And this was uh, something that I did live for, for years. Um, and at the Reinvention Workshop, it was basically what is your what live. I would take people through the, the what is your what framework and help them really get clear on, uh, on, on what their what is. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a woman there who, uh, who was probably in her, you know, 60s or so. I've, I've old enough to know not to ask a woman her, yeah, her age. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm going to guess she was kind of in her early 60s, somewhere around that. And she was happy, generally speaking, but she just kind of felt like a piece of the puzzle was missing for her and she couldn't really figure out what that was, which is why she came to the reinvention workshop. Mm. And as we went through the what is your what equation, it was clear that she had, uh, you know, a pretty good sense of what her gift is and she was a healer. So healing mm. uh, was definitely her gift, no doubt. Uh, and the way that she was fulfilling that gift in terms of the vehicle that she was using was through nursing. So nursing was the, the primary vehicle that she was using to share her gift of healing. And it was the people, though, that was, that was off for her. And as we went through the exercise, it just became very clear that she is most compelled to serve the disadvantaged elderly. Mm -hmm. And I remember actually when she wrote those words on the board, she wrote disadvantaged elderly. And it was almost like, you know, you, you turn that key to the treasure chest and uh, everything just kind of glows as the, you know, as it opens, right? And that's how it was for her. You could just kind of see everything light up. Hmm. And she had been working in a general hospital where she was, you know, serving lots of different types of people, but not the disadvantaged elderly on a consistent basis. And so fast forward a number of years, 
and she has been working as the lead nurse or charge nurse, I don't know, one of those things, head nurse, whatever that's called, um, at, at a VA hospital mm-hmm. where she's primarily working with the disadvantaged elderly. Uh, and that's really made all the difference for right. her. Right. So that would be an example of a Re- shifter. The reinventor. By the way, you were dubbed yeah. as the reinvention king, right, by uh, Founder Magazine. But yeah, that what, was cool. I appreciated that. Yeah, but what what I don't understand is I don't know if I like the word reinvention because shouldn't it be rediscovered? Like you helped her rediscover. You didn't help her reinvent. She didn't invent anything. She just discovered something that she that she was passionate about and you helped her rediscover it. You should be the rediscovery king, not the reinvention no. king. All right, well, let's, uh, let, let's, let's call Founder Magazine and we'll have them change the color. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Dan, Daniel said so. so we'll, uh, have him do that. But, uh, and your but radio no, station. And, and everything, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, and, and it's an interesting point, though, because to me, you're right. I mean, it, it, it could be a semantical issue. So it's kind of like how Simon Sinek and I went down that path. I mean, it's a semantical <laughs> thing, right? I mean, when you think about it, in my way, well, in my way of thinking, reinvention is not at all about changing anything at all mm-hmm. about who you are. It's really just about kind of shedding the shackles of the outfits and the personalities and all those things that we've put on over the years and getting back to the core, to the essence of who we truly are. So it's almost a, a paring down as opposed to a stacking on, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, and, and so just to, to clarify, so the woman in the example that I use there, um, she is, uh, again, what I would call a, uh, a, a shifter, mm-hmm. right? So not, not a full-on reinventor, but, but a shifter. Because a reinventor is someone who makes a, a full-on 180-degree shift. It's the person who goes from you know, being an attorney to teaching yoga. <laughs> or the case of uh, my friend Joe Amoya yeah. of being a, a chiropractor to now helping single women find love. You know, I mean, it's a full 180 degree turn. Well, that's interesting. Uh, that's that, he, that does, I would classify as a reinventor. Does he work with his patients to find love? Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? It's, uh, hold on, it's right here. Yeah, there we go. I found that spot where you found love. At least I found it. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then there's the, the last path and the, the last path are the people that we hate. Um, we lovingly hate them, but we really yeah. do hate them. Um, it's the path of the birther, right? I mean, because those are the people, not, not the Obama birther type Trump okay. thingy, um, but no, like, uh, like literally people who have known from the womb know what it is. Oh, man. That I hate those people. Right. They just, they've never, there's never been, there's never been a question. Like they may get off path yeah, for whatever reason at some point, but there's never really a question about what it is that they should be doing. And those are usually the musicians or the artists or the athletes or those sort of things. Uh, very seldom is it someone in a different profession, but, right. uh, but yeah, we, we kind of hate those people. Right. Right. You hate them because you can't work with them. So, um, yeah. well, and because we're jealous of them. Right. Right. Because they're just so clear. That's right. That's so interesting. So how did you discover your what? Like, actually, can you tell us what, what is your what? Well, you know, it's interesting, man. But as much as a, as a cop out as, as I think it's going to sound like, I, I really do believe that my what is to help people discover, share, and monetize theirs. That's cheating. Right? That's just cheating. It is. It's totally cheating. I know. Yeah. Uh, but it works. <laughs> and, uh, and for the most part, most hosts are like, oh, that's great. But yeah. not you. You're not like, that's cheating. So um, <laughs> I'll have to come up with something else just for your show for the next time I'm on. But, uh, but no, I mean, I mean, really, that's, that's what puts fire right. in my soul. And after having built 
uh, you know, multiple multi-million dollar businesses, mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of an anomaly in this world because there are some people who are very good about helping you, you know, find your passion or those sort of things. Yeah. But very few people can help you build a business around it. What makes you different? Because that's very interesting because I get a lot of people pitching to come on my show and I turn down 90% of them because they're all the Good. same. Yeah, because they're the same airy fairy. Hey, I'm a coach. I'm a life coach yeah. and I could change your life. Yeah, let me How see. How do you say that in Hebrew, by the way? What does airy fairy sound like in Hebrew? Airy fairy is uh, probably, uh, oh, what do we call that in Hebrew? <laughs> Uh, I'm just impressed at your like to I'm be bilingual. Trying, like that is like holy grail to well, me, dude. Well, I'm, I'm I so mean, you, you kind of stole the he, the Yiddish word schmooze. Like schmoozer is is a Jewish expression. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Fine. Schmoozer. We, we, we would, go down that path. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but you're right. I mean, there's there's a lot of airy fairy. I just love that expression. There's a lot of airy fairy people out there. Right. Um, you know who are pretty woo woo and you know kind of go down that. Oh, just go meditate in the woods. <laughs> You know, without clothes and with the pain on your backside, but it's gonna, you know, but we're gonna figure out how you're, yeah, you know, I mean, those sort of people, right? Um, oh, God. And, you know, and, and look, don't get me wrong, we might get some hate mail for this one, by the way. I mean, I, just, you know, you know everything that. except for the pain in the backside was right. Um, so and look, and don't get me wrong, they can they can definitely help people, you know, but part of the reason why we started uh, the show called the Best Business Podcast, which features people who have. Um, either exited for more than $10 million or currently run a $10 million plus business mm-hmm. is because I got tired of six-figure entrepreneurs trying to give seven and eight-figure advice. Yeah, you know, And, and it's the same thing. It's like a, a lot of the people in that world of trying to teach people what their passion is or those sort of terms, uh, they're not necessarily the best folks to try to tell you what to do with that uh, once you have clarity around what it is. And I think a lot of people can help you figure out what that is if they ask the right questions. But uh, but there's more to that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's once you understand it and you discover it, how do you then effectively share and monetize it? And running a business and being able to market it well are two very different things. Mm-hmm. So once you've discovered your what, then I was going to say, then what, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> then, then it's then a matter. What? Exactly. Right. Then what? Well, yeah, it depends, right? So obviously, if you have your day job, you you don't. Can I can I can I share with you mine for a second? Your day job, sure. What is no, it? No, my day job. I don't have a day yeah. job. I know you don't do this for a living. I mean, you're you're kind of good at it, but I know you're not great at it. So what do you actually do? Whoa! For, uh, no, I'm just playing. On just the kidding. show, on the, on the show. show. It's my show. You oh did my that, right? God, my show. <laughs> oh man. Um, no, what? No, I want to hear. Sure. Yeah. Wait, did we just, the recording just stopped? Oh, no. sorry, dude. No, I'm playing. No, the recording <laughs> was still going. I'm not like that. I'll keep everything. I don't edit the show, by the way. It's completely unedited. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, I, I, I've i always kind of wondered, okay, what's my what? What's my what? I, I had the same question as you. And what I discovered is I I just love when I see people getting out and and how do I say this in a way that's not going to sound airy fairy, but basically just expressing themselves. Like I, when I was in high school, I was bullied, right? Boohoo. But it was like, I was emotionally abused. Not as much as your child Alicia is going to be. Right. My God, you, I hope I, you keep, you're keeping him karate, right? He's in an Israeli school. It's a Jewish school. There's there's a few Alicias that are boys in his class. Okay? Is he doing Krav Maga at least? Yeah, I yes. mean, he's like, I want oh, him good. to. I want him to, but he quit. I can't stop. Oh, Jesus. He quit well, that too. 
He'll beat them all in chess. <laughs> exactly. He'll figure out which way to go. Um, so in school, <laughs> I, I was I was basically always made fun of or punished for speaking. Right. Anytime I would I would say anything, and I I'm very you you see me I'm I'm expressive. Right. I like to express myself, but I was always shut down for expressing myself. Yeah, but you were trying to do it in the middle of the rabbis, like I don't speech. care, but 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 I wanted to do it. Like I, that's it. I needed to express myself, and that that's also that's also why I left working for my dad in his grocery store because I needed to express myself. It wasn't even about making so much more money, because money doesn't like money is great. I'm married to a Californian girl. I have four kids. Life's expensive, but but how much more zeros do I need to add on? It doesn't really like do it for me. You know what I'm saying? But for me, what does it for me is expressing myself and being able to help others express themselves. So the reason I wrote The Self-Help Addict is because I was so sick and tired of, of seeing people watching Gary Vee going, Ooh, Gary Vee, lick the screen, lick the screen. Ooh, oh my God, I'm on the phone with Gary Vee. I'm, I'm on the phone with Gary And then it's like, what do you want to ask him? What should I do? Uh, should, I, should, I, should I create a Facebook group? Yeah. It's like, what the yeah, frick? Right. Come on, oh, come on, guys. Come on. Right? Or Tony Robbins. Oh my God, I was at a Tony Robbins event. Yeah, great. And then you got really high, you came back home, and then you overslept again. So I kind of. That was pretty much Monday, I think, for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Love that. That was me. I went into Barnes Nobles, grabbed about 10 best selling books, read them all with the marker pen. The whole book's yellow, right? Go figure. And then nothing. And so, mm -hmm. and so when I started taking action, I started like actually doing things. I started a podcast show. I actually started writing my book. I started two companies. Then I started to realize like, dude, and then you get people who come to you going, whoa, Daniel, you're freaking killing it, dude. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not really killing anything. I'm not, I don't like to kill anything. I'm just, I'm just doing, I'm just, I'm just doing stuff. And it actually irks me. It frustrates me because you've got all these people who idolize these successful people because they don't believe that they can do it. And actually they can, they just need to go out and do it. And and so I guess that frustration in me, that burning desire to just smack them across the face and just say, you know why you're sitting in the crowd and Tony Robbins is on stage is because you bought the bloody ticket and he sold it to you and you mm. need to switch roles. You get on stage, you be the guy, you know, and yeah, that's why. Yeah, and so, yeah. It, it, let me just kick this in because I, I smoke a lot of weed and I'm going to forget it. <laughs> um, but you know what? I, what I will say to that is it, it's super easy. And, and here's here's kind of my thinking around this, which is, and I agree 100. percent I mean, there's there's definitely uh, going to be a huge difference between uh, those that uh, that kind of watch what happens and those who participate in what happens. But another way to think about this is. Uh, it, it's it's super easy to be a critic. You know, you're being a critic right now. You know why? You know why are Daniel and Steve? You know, talking about this and what you like? Like you, you're being a critic right now, and that's that's fine. It's, it's human ten, It's human nature. It's what we do. Mm -hmm. But it's super easy to be a critic, and and it's super hard to be a creator. Yeah. And what you really have to ask yourself is is when is the last time that I put something forth for the world to judge? Mm -hmm. And for a lot of us, the answer is eons ago. You right. know, it's absolutely eons ago. And you're not always going to find people who love what you do. Sometimes you, there may be no one other than you who loves what it is that you're doing. But you have to be willing 
to put that forth and be judged because that's the only way that you're that you're ever going to really be able to as daniel said express yourself but outside of that it, it truly is the only way that you're ever really going to be able to break free of those societal norms of break free of those shackles that may very well be holding you back and to create real wealth in your life. And whether that's financial wealth or emotional wealth, it doesn't matter. It could certainly be both. Mm -hmm. um, but until you're willing to be a creator, it's, you're going to be really hard pressed to find that. Mm. Yep. There you go. So go buy my book as well. <laughs> self-help addict. So the what once you got the what is your what, then you could buy the self-help addict, then you can get off your ass and do something. And then you could Andrea. buy si and then you could buy Simon Sinek's book, you know. Actually, do you know what? Don't don't buy Simon's book because actually Steve's going to write a sequel. It's going to be "What Is Your Why?" Just to spite him, yeah. just, just, to, to spite just to spite him. Simon, <laughs> just to spite Simon. You're going to what is your why? Right? Why your why is not your what when your why is your what? Oh what? my lord! Uh, yeah, no, I, one of those long convoluted titles. Oh, yes. Goodness gracious. Okay, so so Steve, next steps for our listeners. What's the next step for them? Um, uh, being completely self-serving or being uh, serving. <laughs> either, either way, either way, it's self-serving. Okay, so it's being always completely self-serving. Uh, yeah, um, of course. Uh, go to whatisyourwhat.com and you can grab a free copy of the entire book. So there what? we go. That's out of the way. You're giving yeah. away your book. We actually do. We actually do give away. Oh, the entire you're making book. me look bad. I'm not giving away my book. Oh, great. I know, right? You need to start doing that, and then uh, and then I'll teach you the thousand dollar funnel, uh, which works like clockwork, and we can talk about that. The thousand dollar uh, funnel. Okay. Cool. Well, that's uh, that's an immediate income. Uh, so yeah, so definitely go to uh, whatisyourwhat.com uh, and grab a free copy of that. But on a more serving basis, yeah. <laughs> let me just say this, um, which is you know I, what I've what I've become very very clear on Daniel over the years. Um, is that you are truly the solution to someone else's problem. Mm -hmm. And there are people who are literally waiting and praying for you to show up in their life right now. And, and I do think that we have a responsibility to share what it is that we have been given and do so with strategic abandon so that we can reach as many people who really do need us as we possibly can. Because at the end of the day, if you're able to help someone who's even just a couple of steps behind you on the path, it's going to make their world a much better place, which in turn will make your world a much better place. And in turn, will make you know all of our worlds collectively uh, a better place. So uh, I would just say simply know that there is someone who is waiting for you to show up in their lives right now. Uh, and and I encourage you to do whatever you can to reach them. So heartwarming, Steve. Where where did that come from? You know, I don't know. I I pulled that out. That, <laughs> you know, occasionally I've got that soft side of me, but it's true. Oh, it's very nice. I love that. And um, for those that want to get in touch with you and and they want to stalk you, how, how can they do that? Uh, well, if uh, if the book is uh, not where you want to start, then of course you can just go to Steve Olsher O L S H E R dot com, and uh, and everything that I got going on in this world uh, is on there as well. Perfect, Steve. This has been incredible. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain, and thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.